And so why do I think we're potentially headed for a spiritual divorce? And what do I mean by that? Well, I don't mean it in the bad terms of probably of what you think I meant it. We'll probably do a part two. This is probably the start of part two here. What I mean is there seems to be something happening in America. There seems to be something going on where uh, Alyssa made a really good point. She said, it almost seems like Jesus is cool again, and church is cool again. And, and she was concerned about the possible, you know, negatives of that. And I said, you know, I, I can see what you're saying, but I don't really know if Jesus being popular or God being popular is ever a bad thing? Will some people probably not get it 100% right? Yes, obviously. I don't think anyone ever gets it 100% right, myself included. But taking a chance on Jesus and taking a chance on serving God is never a bad thing. And then, you know, we just got to talking about the idea of boldness, right? Be bold. Be salt and light unto the world. Now, we talked about this a lot. What does that mean? Why would God tell people to be salt first? Well, because America is decaying. I mean, just look around you. America is decaying. Very much like the national divorce conversation where Marjorie Taylor Greene points out the fact, look at America. Just look around. Look at what is going on. America is a country in disarray. America is a country on the brink of demise. America is a country on the brink of financial default. Just look around at the facts. Well, if you do the same thing for the church side, just look around at the facts. Look at the spiritual well-being of America. Look at the direction that we are headed. We can't tell the difference between what a man and a woman is. Well, actually, we can but we're so afraid of the backlash of culture. We're so afraid of the backlash of culture, and more specifically, we're so afraid of the backlash of the, the, the traditional church. And let me show you what I mean by that. Okay, so here's a video Sean Foyt posted. This is some old-timer preacher, uh, and he's basically going on a tangent from what I gather about uh, people preaching the gospel and people being Christians uh, wearing hoodies and jeans and stuff and not suits. Listen to this, and then uh, then we'll go, then we'll go from there. Understand this other stream of evangelicalism goes back about to 1966. 1966, when the hippies came out of San Francisco, showed up in Orange County, joined Calvary Chapel. And we had the launch of an informal, barefoot, beach, drug-induced kind of young people that told the church how the church should happen, how it should act. Hymns went out, suits went out. For the first time in the history of the church, the conduct of the church was conformed to a subculture that was born in LSD and marijuana in San Francisco migrated to Southern California. 
a completely different stream. That launches the informal, culturally driven, culturally defined, give them what they want kind of church that ends up in the seeker-friendly church, takes a branch in the vineyard, and the vineyard leads to the excesses of the contemporary charismatic movement. That's a completely different stream. That's not our stream. Those aren't our heroes. I don't go back to Lonnie Frisbee who led the Jesus movement and died of AIDS as a homosexual. I don't go back there. That's not my stream. But that's the stream that has produced the culturally bound, culturally driven, seeker-driven church movement. And while there are good and bad and, and better and best and worst elements of it, that's where it comes from. We, we're very different, very different. Our heroes are very different. We know who our people are. And if, you're say, if you say you're on this side and you are on this side, then you have a responsibility to be faithful to this marvelous history. Okay. So 30% of that I agree with, 70% I disagree with. So first of all, the whole suit comment was hilarious to me because nothing screams you love Jesus more than everybody else than what you wear. Just absolutely asinine statement. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, th that is the epitome of some old white dude that thinks he knows the Bible better than you. All right, what's going on, everybody? Listen, buy gold and get a free safe to store it in. That's right. On qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group now through March 31st, they'll ship a free safe directly to your door. All you got to do is text the word Graham. That's G-R-A-H-A-M to 989898 to get a free info kit on how gold and diversifying your portfolio into precious metals can protect your money from the disaster dumpster fire that is the Biden economy. Here's the deal. The Fed keeps raising rates because it's the only tool they have to keep inflation under control and it's not working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. So you've seen the impact on the stock market. You've seen the impact on your savings. Hedge inflation by owning gold. Whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an IRA in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text the word Graham to 989898 right now for your free info kit on gold and to claim the eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st. Again, you owe it to your family. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your money. Text the word Graham. That's G-R-A-H-A-M to 989898 right now. I do agree that the, the see, this is, what, this is what people do. They take moments in history that did have the wrong people leading it. As he was talking about the guy who led it and then died of AIDS because he was a homosexual. Obviously, that's not correct. People know my stance on it. Uh, can you be gay and a Christian? Um, can, you, can, you can struggle with homosexual tendencies your whole life and have to live a very difficult life, very much like an alcoholic or a drug addict, et cetera, 
and become a Christian and repent from those ways, but can you be an actively living person, a woman married to another woman or a man married to another man and be a Christian? the, the, The Bible says otherwise. So my answer is no. People know how I feel about that. And, you know, a lot of people don't like me because of that stance, but that's, you know, find me the place in the Bible where your argument is right. And I'll show you the multiple places where I know that mine is right. But either way, uh, what I don't like about that is what you're seeing is the worst part of that entire video is at the very end where he says you either basically pledge your allegiance to this side. Okay. Now he's not talking about Christian or not Christian. No, no, no. He's talking about you pledge your allegiance to their rich, amazing history of how they do church or you don't. And he's also talking about the charismatic movement and they don't like the charismatic movement, et cetera. You would not like Jesus. You would not like the company that Jesus kept. These are, here, here's, here's the thing. And I've had this conversation a lot too. Um, people that talk bad about pastors that have fallen, repented, gotten the help they needed, and are back to preaching again. Well, I don't know, you know, so-and-so, he had an alcohol addiction or so-and-so fell into lust and da-da-da-da-da. I don't agree with this. Excuse me. I don't agree with that because the Bible doesn't agree with you. Look at every Bible character that you talk about all the time and show me where they didn't know the Lord, they didn't love the Lord, and then they didn't fall horrifically and then repent and then go on to continue with what God had on their life. Show me that. Show me where it says it only applies to those people, and nowadays it doesn't apply to us. If you make any mistake ever again that you cannot return back to serving God's purpose in your life. These are things that I have issues with because the Bible blatantly contradicts those human man-made perceptions of what people should be. People have to be perfect and above reproach. I love that saying, above reproach is a very legalistic term. Because it can be interpreted however you want, beyond reproach. Well, what happens if you get to be reproached? And what? You're just done? God's calling on your life is over because you made a mistake? You're not allowed to uh, repent? And I'm not saying that you should return to the pulpit that day, but you can't humble yourself again and, and, and have your sins forgiven by God and work your way back up. That's not what the Bible says at all. Where did we get that? Where is that written? Another thing where you have to be an ordained minister to be a preacher. What? Who said that? And I'm serious. Find me in the Bible. Find me in the Bible. Well, yes, you should be taught, you should be discipled, et cetera, to go out and preach the word of God. But we look down on these people, and this goes with the two different types, right? So that guy who was just preaching, um, I I already know, I don't know exactly what denomination it looked like, extreme Baptist. But either way, the way they do it is you have to attend seminary, 
which seminary, for those of you who have never been, is nothing more than a bunch of theological doctorate people teaching people who believe they have the the God-given gift to speak and connect to people. They teach you how to interpret the scriptures based on how they interpret it, because they're the theologians and they know better than you. And then they teach you how to write theological doctorate papers, and you have people graduating with masters of divinity degrees um, that have never actually preached a day in their life and are terrified to talk in front of people. Seminary is a freaking joke, and I will stand by it for the rest of my life. It is. It's a way for the church to make money. It's what it is. Show me the place in the Bible where it says you got to go for four to six years to a college, pay them money. Uh, You want to be a pastor, but then you got to take two years of algebra, algebra two, pre-calculus, geometry, science, history, um, all these things that have nothing to do with the Bible. And then finally on year three, you can start working on Bible things. You work your way through Romans. You work your way through Acts. You do apologetics, et cetera. You learn how to write theological papers. Boom. You got your uh, seminary degree. And then what you do is then you return back to your home denominational church. And then you go through the process of being accepted or not by that church to be considered ordained or not ordained. And literally in some denominations, it is as simple as you sitting in a room interviewing with the deacons and elders of that church. And then you leave and then they pray sometimes with you or without you, and then dependent upon what they feel the Lord is telling them depends on if you become ordained or not. Where in the world did any of that come from? January, the most refreshing and frustrating month of the year. Why? Because you set out with lofty goals, you stick to them for about two weeks, then you fall right back into old habits. Well, lucky for you, I have a goal you can accomplish today and feel great about it. It's called the protect your family by getting a will goal. And you can check that box in five minutes for as little as $119 at epicwill.com slash gram. That's G-R-A-H-A-M. And you'll save an additional 10%. So I just made it easier. Look, You need to protect your family. I know that most of us don't want to think about death, but it is a real part of reality and life, and we need to make sure the ones that we love and care about the most will be protected. Think about this. 50% of Americans don't have a will. Choose to be the smarter 50%. Go to epicwill.com slash Graham and get 10% off, and then you can laugh at your friends who failed to accomplish their goals because you're better than them. That's epicwill.com slash Graham. Now, you see what I mean? See what I'm getting at here? These churches would have never let Simon Peter in the door. John the Baptist would have had the cops called on him outside in the parking lot. And he had been spitting scripture at him the whole time as they like probably had to tase him because John the Baptist did not play. David, David would have been casted out of the church. David would have been expelled from the church. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Abraham, hello? Talk about marital 
indiscretions. The way that we do church today, 1% of the world could fall into the categories of what churches believe that we should be like. And then that 1% would also be lying 80% of the time about who they are and what they actually do. We have a Jesus movement happening in our country. And the most ironic part of it is it's led by the generation. It's being fueled by the generation that we thought to be lost, myself included. Gen Z, I thought you were done, man. And just boom, out of nowhere, you got revivals breaking out everywhere. And then we got the old people in the churches now trying to tell you how your encounter with Jesus actually needs to be. This is fundamentally wrong. We need young people. We need new fire. We need elders that equal wisdom because what happens after you get saved? What happens after you have a reigniting of your passion for Christ? What happens after that? Old people, that's where you come in. And yes, you need to figure out if you're old or not, and if you are the wise counsel that needs to help the new generation that will do more than you ever did. If you're in your 60s and 70s right now, you need to understand that you are part of the generation that has led to the church falling off the wagon and the, degra the degradation of our society. If you are between 30 to 60 right now, this includes me, I'm 36, you are in the generation that is currently either going to choose to carry on the ways of the old church, the way they did it, that did not work, America is worse than ever before, or fundamentally and radically change the direction of the church to be Jesus-led, God-led, Spirit-filled. Let God do what God's going to do, because we need to stop creating a production for Jesus. We need to create an introduction for Jesus to do what Jesus is going to do. Whew, got me preaching now. And then our younger generation is going to be the generation that takes what decision we make, good or bad, and launches the church into a new era of revival. And so we have to ask ourselves, what side do we want to be on? And when I ask that question, unlike the old, uh, the old, uh, <laughs> the old fart earlier, I ask that question not as pledge your allegiance to a denomination. No. What I'm saying is, do we need a spiritual divorce? And what I mean by that is simply this. I think it's time for people to choose a side. And what do I mean by choosing a side? You're either going to choose religion and denominations of churches, or you're going to choose God. Because the way the majority of churches are run in today's society, the way that majorities of preachers are operating, etc., I know a church where they paid some dude $40,000 a year, and his job was to wipe the sweat off the pastor's head while he was preaching. Are you absolutely insane? How can we in good conscience and good faith even be a part of something like that? 
doesn't make any sense. So yes, it is time to choose a side because I believe a spiritual divorce needs to happen, but not in the way that you thought before you started listening to these two-part episodes here. I believe it is time for us to choose a side. Are we choosing the ways of man religion, man-run religion, man-made denominations, or are we choosing God and the Bible? I think we all know the answer to which one is right. God and the Bible slaps every one of us in the face all the time because God and the Bible are absolute truth. And it hurts and it's not fun and all of us are wrong all the time. We all fall short and come, we all fail and fall short of the glory of God. We all fail every single day all the time and that is part of the whole experience of faith and grace and mercy from God is to realize that we're not perfect. No one is, but God has never used perfect. God uses the imperfect to show the power of his glory, the power of what he can achieve. And I believe it is time for us to have a spiritual divorce, but it's a spiritual divorce from the man-run religion to go back to the God led revival movements across our country. I'm telling you right now, that's where I stand. Jesus, take the wheel for real for me. God, you want to have a three-hour church service? Do it. Do it. My kids will be fine because God is moving. All that's going to be taken care of. God, you want my yes? You want me to give up everything I got and you want me to go this way? Doing it. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Jesus train. I'm on the God train. God, you want me to keep talking politics because somebody's got to do it from a biblical perspective? Fine, I'll do that. Let's go. God, you want me to pick up everything, move my family, go here, go there, go everywhere you may lead me, as Greg Lott would say, what you feed me, or, or where you lead me, I will follow. If what you feed me, I will swallow. You want that? I'll do it. Because I don't answer to a church. Now, full transparency, real quick disclaimer. You need people to submit yourself to accountability, absolutely. But at the end of the day, there is a main boss that you submit to. The, the CEO, if you will. And my boss is God. And I think it's about time that some of us get back to being that way that's all i have for this episode or these episodes of the dear america podcast hope you enjoyed it email me graham at dearamericamedia.com let me know what you think make sure to share these videos with five of your friends make sure to leave us five stars and leave us a review it helps us in the polls that's all we have for these episodes of the dear america podcast and we'll see you all again next time